everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up! And call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular's single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com. The lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, stay connected wherever you go and transform your vehicle into a dependable Wi-Fi hotspot. Powering applications like real-time GPS and voice assistant, navigation becomes a breeze. Even on the practice field, AT&T in-car Wi-Fi keeps you connected while in proximity of your vehicle. Work, stream shows, or finish homework without missing a beat. See if you're eligible for a free trial at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. Don't let connectivity be a roadblock in your journey. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't get distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. What are things that are meaningful to you, and what are things that you're just trying to make more money? Well, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 203, and I am answering your questions. You email me, grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com, and we'll walk through them. Like we're sitting around the campfire, like we're sitting in the cab of a truck and you say, man, can I run something by you? Like something's been kind of irking me a little bit and I'd love to just walk through it. Not that I'm an expert and not that I have any notes sitting out here or anything like that. Uh, More so, we're just talking as friends and it could be about any subject. In fact, I've got uh, some queued up right here and these are random. First question says... Subject line, rest, how to achieve this. Hey, Granger, first off, it goes without saying, I love the podcast. Love you and Amber and the kids and all that you do. Yee, yee, live, uh, yee, yee, uh, and all the sorts. My question is, how do you achieve rest? I'm not talking about spiritual rest. I have your verse you wrote for me last fall tattooed on my arm. I'm talking about physical rest. I'm writing you because I struggle to get adequate rest, as I know that a lot of people do. I work for a heavy construction equipment dealer, and that is number one most, uh, that is the number one most mentioned thing between my clients and coworkers. I'm tired. I work long hours because of the shortage of labor and staffing, which I know isn't an excuse, but it's just the facts. I personally work 60 hours a week, Monday through Friday, on top of my other duties as a husband at home trying to study for seminary, workouts, admittedly not as often as I should. I run a small business uh, and a hobby to try and supplement some income for our increasing economic cost. And I try to stay updated on the Smiths in your podcast, the Take and Read podcast, and playback of After Midnight. I've tried unsuccessfully to get proper amounts of sleep and I just can't seem to get a full rest. So much as to the point where I've had to point people, or I've had the point where people point out my tattoo and ask, how does that work when you look so tired? I believe he's talking to be talking about Jesus saying, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I'll give you rest. This is incredible incredibly convicting. Sorry for the lengthy email, uh, but you mentioned in Like a River in your podcast numerous times how busy your life is 
and how early you wake up. And I would love your insight on how you get physical rest. I'm going to take a nap now. P.S. I hope you enjoyed the Irish soda bread recipe. In God's hands, Michael Kennedy. Hey, Michael, thank you, brother, very much. And uh, I appreciate you emailing and talking about a subject that is, that's uh, it's not easy to answer. And, and, and I'll try to walk through it with you. Absolutely. Um, one thing to say is, the, the easiest thing right off the bat is, you're going to have to, if you want to get physically get more rest, more sleep, you're going to have to cut some things out. Um, unfortunately for me, the first thing, the first thing that's got to go is your consumption of the Smiths and the take and read podcast and playback of after midnight. You're going to have to at least get rid of something and come on, you know, I'm serious. If I'm asking you to not consume as much of my media as you are right now. Um, another thing, another way to look at this is, well, there's several. Another way is, do you really need as much sleep as you think you need? Because I, Amber and I, we just, we survive on about six hours. And I know that the doctor is going to say you need eight and you're, you're not functioning correctly. You have, you're risking memory loss and things like that with less than eight. I understand. That's, I get it. I actually function pretty good with seven, but you know, I, I monitor everything with my watch. I've got one of these Garmin watches and I monitor my sleep and I usually get about six, six fifteen, six twenty, six thirty. That's pretty average for me. Um, when I'm on tour, it's more like five. And I just I have a lot of I have a lot of things that are meaningful to me. So I would start to discern what in your life. What are things that are meaningful to you? And what are things that you're just trying to make more money? And then ask yourself why. Like why? Let me see. Let me go back to what you said. You work 60 hours a week, Monday through Friday. And then you run a small business hobby to try to supplement some income in your increasing economy cost. That's what you said. Why? Why are your costs... Are you, are you talking about just the national economy is rising, inflation is rising? Does that require another job? It's a serious question. You have a family. You have a, a lot of things going on here. At seminary, I don't know why you're doing seminary. That's, that's a completely different story. I'm, I'm confused at why you're doing seminary and a 60-hour heavy machinery job and a small business hobby to make more money. That's, I don't, I don't know that. I don't, I'd have to sit with you on that. Um, so, so, so there's a lot of dynamics here. One is you're going to have to give up some stuff, probably social media or podcasts that you listen to, or figure out a way that those fit in your commute times so that you're not taking extra time to listen or watch. You're actually adding that to your time to work, right? Listen to this podcast on the way to work. So you're not sitting around at home. Um, minimize your social media time. Like that should be the number one thing to go. If you're on Instagram, if you're on Facebook, TikTok, get rid of it. That is a time sucker. Um, that's hands down. I would really think about this hobby, small business thing and, and ask you why. Why are you doing that and you're doing seminary? What's, what's something's got to give here? If you're doing seminary to equip yourself, um, why are you also in a season of wanting to make more money? And if you're, if you say, if your answer is, man, I'm trying to make more money because we're in debt, then I say, oh, that's a different conversation. Now we need to talk about why your family's spending so much money that it's gotten you into a situation where you're adding to your 60 hour a week job with another job. I would say, because I think heavy machinery, that usually makes pretty good money. So I'm going to say, so what's going on? We need to talk about this, right? Um, another another way to look at this is I live on my reminder list on my phone. I've got I've got an iPhone and it and it's got reminders on it. And I I'll go through at least in the mornings. I'll get up at five, five thirty, 
And that's first thing is going to be my coffee and my Bible reading. And that's usually going to take me about an hour. I'm going to study the word. I'm going to go through my McShane plan, read my four chapters. And nothing is going to compromise that time. But right after that, I'm going to do my quick journal entry. I'm going to do my social media post on what I learned, my takeaway from my Bible reading. And then I'm going to go into my reminder list. And I'm going to look at my reminder list, what's left, and I'm going to add new ones. So it's going to say... Um, it's going to say record Monday's podcast, right? And so I'll know that I need to knock out the podcast. I'm talking about this one. I need to record the podcast. And I'll do that if I know I'm leaving out of town and I need to get it done today. So then it's on that list and periodically I'll check that list during the day. And I'll also put easy easy things on there. Like I'll say, um, take the kids to school. That's an easy one. I'll say, um, read 10 pages for seminary. I'll say, um, make a, make social media post, right? So I go into those easy ones and on, on Apple, those reminders, it's a little dot and I hit that dot. And as soon as I hit that dot, it fills in the space and it disappears. And there's, there's, there is, there is a dopamine effect of doing that. It's like done. And the list gets shorter, right? So my list is going to say things like Monday after midnight, Tuesdays after midnight. I'm not talking about that's when I do it. I'm talking about the actual show itself. It's going to say um, podcast 828 or whatever. And it's going to say interview with so-and-so. So when I finish that after midnight, I record it, finish it. I, I pull out my phone. One of the first things I do is I hit that button and it goes, whoosh, disappears. My list gets shorter. Now, when you sit down and you, the, you the tendency to watch YouTube or check out social media, instead of doing that tendency, you pull out your phone now and you look at your reminder list and you go, all right, I've got, I've got 45 minutes right now. So this is me. Let me speak for myself. I would say I've got 45 minutes before the kids get home, what could I do in 45 minutes? Oh, I could knock out that social media post that I need, I needed to do to promote like a river book. Okay. Cause the publisher said, Amazon is now offering this week, $3 off for your book. Will you post about it sometime this week? Okay, cool. I got 45 minutes. I'll do that now. So I go in, pick up my phone, talk about the $3 discount on Like a River, and the first thing I do, go back to my reminders, boom, hit that button, it disappears. Now there's a dopamine hit that I get when I do that. I love it. So that's very important um, to be able to time manage and then understand your own, your own body clock because understand that there's certain things that you can do on your to-do list and certain things you can't depending on the time of day. For instance... I, I, I'm pretty worthless after about 5 o'clock, 5 p.m. I need to start doing the more mindless things on my list at 5 p.m. I'm pretty good at like 9, 10 a.m. I'm pretty sharp. So it's better for me, as y'all might know, to record a podcast in the morning than it is when you've heard me do podcast at 10 o'clock at night and I'm just kind of like mad and grumbling through it. So uh, yeah, be aware of where your brain is on that time of day. Th- these are really helpful things for me. And I don't know uh, how helpful it is to you, but this is the, 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 the income thing. That's a family conversation. So email back and see if this makes sense. And Arnold Schwarzenegger said in a, in, a, in a speech he did one time, he said, I think maybe you should just sleep less. <laughs> so maybe just get used to in this season of your life, Michael, that everything in life is a season. It's going to pass. But in this season, you might just be sleeping less. Let's move on here. Next question. Subject line says, divorce with a narcissist. Email says, hey man, I've been battling my faith when what's going on my divorce in, (laughs) this is, I'm going to read it exactly like it says it. Hey man, I've been battling my faith when what's going on on my divorce and child custody issues. Do you have an episode that deals with any of this? 
Thanks, Chris. All right, Chris, I appreciate you, man. And this is an interesting, interesting thing. One, one, I think I should probably be building this podcast more towards episodic themes. I've actually been talking about talking to Ant-Man, my friend and producer of Yee Yee Radio and After Midnight, and just talking to him about, man, do you want to come in and produce the podcast and well, and you take over these questions and kind of lump them into groups so that when I release an episode, it could be all one group. Like I could do one podcast that's just about time management, one that's just about battling with your faith, right? So comment below if you're on a, a platform that can comment and let me know or hit me up on social media and let me know if that's something you'd be interested in. That's beside the point. The other thing is, in our culture, this is what we do. In 2023, we look, and this is the same way we read the Bible. We like to read the Bible in a way where we want to find what we need in our situation and move on. Just give me the answer quick. I'm struggling with my faith right now. Show me the part in the Bible that says that so I could read it and move on. Like, give me the cliff notes. I need, I need to move fast. And it just never really works that way. Um, the What's going on when you are saying, I'm battling, I think what you mean is, I'm struggling, I'm, I'm feeling like my faith is failing me because of the season of going through a divorce and child custody issues. What you're saying is, here's what you mean by that. What's happening is, Adversity in life, struggle, suffering in this way, is revealing to you that your faith wasn't worth anything. That's what it is. And that's so, it's so interesting, right? Um, because this is what the apostles talk about. This is what, oh, I mean, really... The Old and New Testament are both going to talk a lot about the testing of the faith. Testing it as if a precious metal in a fire. So you can test a precious metal by, by heat testing, right? And it's not a precious metal. It's going, to, it's going to disintegrate at a certain level of heat if it's not worthy. We could say it that way. And it's the same way with our faith. Your faith is nothing during good times, during happy, you know, nice, comfortable times. Your faith is worthless to me, and it's worthless to you. You can't convince me or yourself, more importantly, that your faith matters at all when life is good and you're comfortable. You know what your faith is made of, when you put it in the fire, just like a precious metal. So you're going to know gold when it goes through a, a very heat-pressured oven. And you're going to know what your faith is. Is it real gold? Is your faith gold? Is it a precious metal? Or is it just aluminum when you put it into a heat-pressured oven? So you're in this oven right now, divorce, child custody battles. And you're going, man, I am melting like foil. My faith, I don't even know if God's up there at all. In fact, I thought, I used to think I was a Christian. Now, you know what? I don't even know what I am. Why? Because you're, through the testing of your faith, you're finding out it's worthless. Look, that's not all bad news. It, the testing of the faith, the result of it, whether it's good or bad, it's all positive because at least you know, you're learning now. So you can go one of two ways. You can go, my faith was worthless. It was tested by this divorce. And I guess I'm not even a Christian. Or you can go, uh-oh, through the testing of my faith with this divorce, I'm realizing my faith is not a saving faith. I better figure this out. And I say that in a way that you're not going to figure it out 
in terms of pleasing God or being worthy of God or working towards God's favor. You need to figure it out in terms of your responsibility to respond to the gospel, to repent and turn away from your sin and turn towards God. When you repent and turn towards God, your faith begins to grow. So you believe and you repent and you turn to God. In turn, your faith starts to grow. And then through more testing of your faith and it withholds the oven, it doesn't melt like aluminum, you start to gain more confidence and your faith grows from there. So right now, Chris, your faith sucks because it's being tested. Repent, believe, turn to the gospel, turn to God your creator. You're created in his image. Turn to him. Whatever this divorce is, whatever that's going on with this child custody, don't harbor anger. Forgive and turn to God. Watch your faith grow. That's one choice, and it is yours. Or you could flounder away and melt like aluminum. We'll take a break. Be right back. Do you have my book, Like a River, yet? I hope you do. I hope you have a copy of it. Plus, have you heard the audio book? Because there are lots of extra things, little commentaries here and there as I read the book, the manuscript. I would add a few commentaries here and there as I was going down just to help give a better perspective. And I just did that on the fly. And then there was a long interview. It's about an hour long at the end with just Amber and I, kind of asking each other questions and reflecting back on the book. So I would encourage you to listen to all of that, and you could knock that out. I think it's like five hours, 45 minutes is the entire thing, and you could do that in just like a week of work commutes. So on your way to work, on your way back from work, do that three or four days, and I'm assuming you could knock it out. I would love to hear what you have to say about that. The book is still doing really great, like on top of the Amazon charts, and how you could help me is by reviewing it. So say you buy it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or Walmart.com, wherever you buy it, if it's online, go ahead and leave us a five-star review and tell me what you think about the book. That would be tremendously helpful, and ultimately, the goal is to kick it up the algorithm so that people who don't know who I am, have never listened to country music in their life, and they could come across this book as, as something they've never heard of before because of the algorithm you kicked over to them by leaving the review. That That's how it works. And so I appreciate that so much. And that also reminds me, thank you for all of y'all that have been posting it on X or Instagram or Threads or TikTok and Facebook, all the different social media platforms. I've seen y'all posting it. And that, that means the world to me because the personal testimony to the book, if it's mattered to you and you tell your friends, hey, this book has been really impactful for me, that matters so much more than anything else I could tell them. A personal testimony counts so much more. So thank you for all that. And thank you for ultimately just consuming a book that is so personal to me. This is really, up until now, you could say this has been my life passion project I just didn't always know it, but it's the most important piece of media I've ever put out. Hey, if you want to get a hold of me, as always, check out cameo.com slash Smith or download the Cameo app and search for me, Granger Smith. I could leave you through that, a personal video message from my phone to yours. You ask me to say whatever it is. Happy birthday to my son, to my daughter, to my spouse. Happy anniversary. Maybe some words of encouragement. Maybe it's just to you. Whatever it is, you just write in what you want me to say, and I'll sit here on my phone and record a video and send it back to you. It's super easy easy. Once again, cameo.com, C-A-M-E-O slash Granger Smith. Let's get back to the podcast. Well, back to the podcast, answering your questions. You could email me, grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com, and we'll put it in the queue. If you have not considered, I'll put it that way, if you haven't considered my book, Like a River, I would ask you to consider this book because I would hope that if you're interested in this podcast, then it would matter to you and you would be interested in the book because I 
I've poured so much of my life into it. And it's the story of Luz and Riv, our son, in 2019, and me floundering around. And as the last email said um, about faith, I figured out that I had a worthless faith in 2019. And through that testing uh, and through the revealing that my faith was not a saving faith and that it was worthless, um, that caused me to dig in and soak up the gospel and repent and believe and everything after that. This is the this is the delight of my life to sit here in a chair and tell people about the one that saved me. That it, it is truly as busy as I am, as much stuff as I have going on, I love what I do now. I love talking in a microphone about Jesus and about people that might be stuck, people that might think they're Christians that aren't, because I was that. And it's the delight of my life. It's a, it's a joy. You guys remember Matthew 13, the parable of the hidden treasure? Says, Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like a man that finds a treasure hidden in a field. And he finds it, covers it up, and then goes in his joy, with joy, and sells everything he owns to buy that field. That's me. It is worth it. It is so meaningful. I sleep so good at night uh, knowing that I, that I get the honor and privilege of speaking about my Savior in a way that I can't possibly do him justice. But the fact that he had mercy on someone like me, <laughs> y'all, someone like me, just a worthless country singer, all wrapped up in him, himself, all worried about himself and worried about his image and his name and his chart position with his latest single, a wretch. The fact that the Lord had mercy on me, a wretch, stuck in my own ways, turned me around, grabbed a hold of me, and pulled me in. The fact that he did that is, is pretty remarkable. And that is, that is why I would encourage everyone to check out the book, Like a River, and see what you think. Yeah, let's get to the next question. The subject line on this says, fear. And the email says, hey, Mr. Smith, I'm a big fan from California, emailing to ask you some dating advice. I am a sophomore in high school, and I have a really big fear of not finding a wife one day. All of my friends who have girlfriends are making me very self-conscious. I trust that God has a plan, and he knows my future. But that fear of being a fool is all over my heart. Any thought? on how to get past this. Thanks for your help, Wyatt. Wyatt, let me read this again and make sure I, I know that you're saying what I think you're saying. You are a sophomore in high school. That's going to make you 14, 15, 15, 16, 16. You're about 16. And you have a really big fear of not finding a wife one day because all of your friends have girlfriends and it's making yourself Wyatt. Stop it, bro. Stop it, man. Would you would you stop and just be a sophomore? And first of all, you're better off without a girlfriend, like all your friends have. You're better off without a girlfriend doing the things that a sophomore in high school does, like schoolwork, like a hobby, like a hobby including maybe be playing on a sports team, doing something that you you enjoy whether that's a, a drama team or a chess team or choir or a country music dance team. Y'all, believe it or not, this might be crazy to, to, to even say it out loud, but when I was in high school, when I was a sophomore and junior in high school, I was on a country music dance team called the Wildcat Wranglers. 
And hey, I liked it. I wanted to learn how to two-step, and it, it was like a, you know, it was pretty stupid. But we wore boots and wranglers and buckles and button-up start shirts with cowboy hats. And we each had a partner, and we did all the spins and the flips and, you know, danced around and went. And we traveled to the White House, actually, one time and performed. It was, it was kind of weird, but what my point is there's something you can get involved with that's better than having a girlfriend because you're going to sit around and you're going to just waste your life away. Your precious high school years could be wasted away by dealing with the drama of having a girlfriend. Don't get caught up in that. You're better off without it, and that does not correlate. You having a girlfriend right now, your sophomore year in high school, does not correlate to if you're going to get a wife anytime soon or not. Some of these guys that are dating right now that have girlfriends and their sophomore year in high school, some of these guys are going to continue dating through their 20s and 30s and still not be content. That doesn't mean that they're going to find wives. And some of the guys that don't have a girlfriend at all and don't date at all, suddenly they're 24, 25, and they go on their first date and they fall in love and they end up actually marrying that girl. So there's no correlation, rhyme or reason at all. You're not, you're not needed to date when you're, your sophomore year so that you could have a wife one day. So your fear, as you say, you have a really big fear of not finding a wife one day, needs to stop. If I was with you in person, I would say, bro, stop. Be 16. Do you have a driver's license yet? Have you saved up to buy a, an old truck or something yet? Do that. Take that truck mud, and then you're going to have to deal with cleaning all the mud off the undercarriage. <laughs> Take it from somebody who knows. I love being 16, man, and I don't want you to waste it by worrying or having a fear of a wife. It's just not valid. Stop it. Next question. Subject line says, like a river, McShane. Hey, Granger, I am what you call a dog tag Christian. I finished reading your book, Like a River, and it spoke to me profoundly. Thank you for that. I want to do the McShane daily Bible readings that you spoke about in your book. How should I start it, though? Uh, start the readings now, but with January readings, or start on the true date of today in August, according to his calendar. Thanks, Ashley from Nebraska. Okay, okay, I like this. Um, yeah, there's an easy, super easy answer. The The dates associated with that, like January 1, starting at Genesis 1, that's merely a suggestion, and I personally have never done it. I've never lined up the dates with what I'm going to read. I started, when I first learned about the McShane plan, it was in 2020. And it was probably like, I don't know, April. And I just started on the first the first reading, which was, I don't remember, Genesis 1, Matthew 1. Um, I don't remember what the other ones are. Acts 1, maybe. So uh, Ezra or something. I, I don't remember. But yeah, just start. Just start today. Um, and, and start at the beginning. You're not, you can't jump in, in the August reading, whatever that might be. You need to start at the beginning and make this your, your starting point. And for everybody that doesn't know what she's talking about, um, I, I advocate personally for the McShane Bible reading plan, but there are many, 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 many others. So this is just an example of what I love. I think it's put together really well. And it is, it gets you through the New Testament twice in a year, the Psalms twice in a year, and the Old Testament once. It gives you, uh, it sets up your reading daily, and it's usually one chapter, sometimes two, from four different places in the Bible. So you're going through at least four, sometimes five or six chapters a day. And it's about, even if it's two chapters in one section, it's about the same length. So you're doing the same amount of reading every single day. And before you know it, a calendar year goes by and you go, wow, I've cruised through the whole Bible once, New Testament twice, and the Psalms twice. It's pretty pretty cool. 
All right, next question, subject line says, like a river question. Hey, Granger, I've loved your music for years. I grew up in College Station. I'm an Aggie fan as well. I've been following your family closely since 2019. And y'all's story of faith has inspired me, especially because your book. I've been more present and patient with my children, and I've been more motivated to getting back into the Word of God because of your words. Thank you so much for what you have done. My husband got me like a river, and the day it came in, I could not put it down until 2 a.m. when I finished. It was the perfect message I needed to hear at this point in my life to make sure I was doing my part to be a good example to my kids and honoring God with my time because when you don't feel like you need God because you live a comfortable life. Hey, we talked about that a few questions ago. Your faith is not tested when you're living a comfortable life. That's, that's, that's perfect that she said that. Uh, I struggle with prioritizing studying the Bible, but I want a firm foundation for my family and to grow my three kids to serve and live a purposeful life. There are ways that my husband and I are trying to control our lives instead of following and surrendering to God, and your book reminded me of that. So anyways, I have questions, two questions, and I did just start listening to your podcast, so if you uh, have any of them already answered, just ignore it. Uh, I, you know, I never do that. I don't mind repeating things. First question is, how did your wife find that she needed God, or when did she begin her relationship with him? Was it before or after you? And did one of you help or inspire the other? I'll go ahead and read the second question. A lot of people I care about aren't saved. And the big reason is they believe the lies about the Bible. They believe the lies about the Bible not being trustworthy or being written by imperfect people. I know the truth about God, having his hand in it, and all the miraculous details lining up. And I even went to the library, or I even went to Liberty University and took an apologetics class. And I can't figure out a good way to word it to them so if you can give me some advice, that would be great. I appreciate you and all you're doing and your positive effect you've had on my life, Stevie Dillard. All right, Stevie, let's dive into your questions here. And I'm going to start with in order and go number one. Um, let, me, let me read back just a few things. I want to know more about you. You are inspired by the book. Thank you for that. Um, it was the perfect message you needed to hear. Good, good, good. You went through a time when you didn't feel like you need God because you lived a comfortable life. And now you struggle with prioritizing the Bible. Okay. All right. Um, Stevie, first of all, I would be... You are you're searching right now and you're asking the right questions. And I would be if I was your friend and we we're, you know, sitting around the campfire having this conversation, um I would be concerned with you if you don't have a desire to prioritize studying the Bible. I do know Christians that struggle with this. So I'm not saying I'm not saying you're not a Christian. But I'm saying it's always a little bit of a red flag to me for someone that says, "Yeah, I love God. I just don't really, you know, like going to church, not really a big deal. Um don't really care about reading the Bible. Um my prayer life, I, I could tell you your prayer life is probably not great if those other two things aren't lining up the the fruits of of a christian of a changed life of a someone that is reborn and and completely reshaped by jesus in in the in the gospel the fruit of that is you want to seek him more you want to know him more you want to be around other people that are talking about him that know him more so that you could start to imitate him. That's the ultimate goal of what you want. And that's why we read the Bible, really, is because we're transformed by the word and we 
want to know more about who God is so that we can imitate him. Not so that we know exactly what his rules are, but so that we know exactly what he would do in a situation because we've learned him so well. Then at that point, you don't need to know all the little tiny rules. They don't need to exist. You have a heart like him. You know how he thinks. You know what he loves. You know what he hates. That's the goal. Now, that's called sanctification, and it takes our entire life before we could truly imitate Christ. It will take our entire life. But at the beginning, you should feel a desire that says, if anything, if anything, I, I, I really want to go plug into a local body, a local church. I really want to get to know some members and some other people in, in my community that are seeking. And through that, encourage each other to what? Read the Bible, to, to increase your prayer life, to deepen your relationship. So I would be a little bit worried before we, I even get into the questions. And the reason I even said any of that is because there's a, here's where I got the indication, the way you worded the first question. How did your wife find she needed God or when did she begin her relationship with him? Let me just say, by God's grace, we were on about the same path. We were about the same path together. Um, but we all need God. And it's not, it's not because it's going to make us have a better life or because it's going to make us more comfortable or it's going to make things easier. It's because as image bearers, as his creation, when we go apart from him and we're separated from him, when that umbilical cord, as you could say, is cut between us and our creator, when that happens... We lose our identity. We lose our reality. In fact, so much so, we could lose reality so much that we start saying absurd things. Things that don't even make sense in science itself, right? It's very interesting. And you could, it doesn't take much to go down the rabbit hole of what I'm saying here. Um, question number two, a lot of people I care about aren't saved. And before we get into that, Stevie, I want to make sure that you are, right? A lot of people I care about aren't saved, and the big reason is they believe the lies about the Bible not being trustworthy or being written by imperfect people. I know the truth about God, having his hand in it, and all the miraculous details lining up. I even went to Liberty University and took an apologetic class, and I can't figure out a good way to word it. That class was worthless then. I'm sorry. Um, I'm preaching at Liberty University in September, but it worries me. I'm kind of ragging on you a little bit, and I'm sorry, but it kind of worries me. How did you take a class on apologetics and you couldn't answer this the, the, in the most basic way? Um, what did they teach? That's interesting to me. The good thing is your, your love for the lost and your concern for the lost, that is a good thing. That is a good fruit a concern for the lost around you. But if they're saying the Bible's, we'll start with that, the Bible's not trustworthy. Um, well, it's 2023, and there have been over 25,000 archaeological digs that we have, re have brought up mountains of ancient manuscripts from the Old and New Testament. I have been to the history of the Bible Museum in Washington, D.C., which is awesome, and they have all kinds of old Bibles there, including, I think it's P52, P52, I think is the name of the manuscript they have there currently on display, but it's a, it's a small section from the book of John from early 2nd century. And so we have manuscripts that, have, that date back to the apostolic, apostolic age, and we could then see from the apostles themselves and the scribes that followed them and the early church fathers as they had writings about each other and as they validated each other in the late first century 
early second century, we can look at this and gather this information and, and go, okay, we know that these writings are accurate to what we have today. That's my point. We could look at our Bibles today and we can go, okay, this is accurate. We have many different translations, but if you, if you put them together and you read them together, which you probably should, um, you could see through these different writings that, okay, well, this word, for instance, I'm writing a sermon for Ohio. The word iniquity in the ESV is translated into guilt in the CSB. So ESV has iniquity. Guilt is the word they use in the CSB. But, but regardless, it's coming from the same Greek and the same Hebrew. And you could see that Greek writing from manuscripts that they have found, ancient ones. So you can go, well, there's the book of John, and there it is in Greek, and translate it, this Greek, however you want, with your Greek translator app on your phone, and you could, it could say iniquity, or it could say transgression, or it could say sin, or it could say guilt, or it could say shame, but we get the point. It doesn't change the meaning of the sentence itself. Does that make sense? So the trustworthiness of the actual manuscripts are there. To deny that is to deny um, any creditable historian, right? Um, and that the scripture will testify against itself, for itself, through itself, by itself, that it was written by humans inspired by the Holy Spirit. So the fact that it, it even exists at all and that Jesus said it would exist, and that the gates of hell would not prevail against it, and that his word would prevail, and it would last. The fact that it that, that has happened, and the fact that it exists, and we know humans wrote it, and we know they were inspired, um, testifies for itself. And so the idea that someone is going to reject the Bible as not being trustworthy is not the Bible's problem. That's their problem. If you were to look at it this way, if you were to say, let's test the Bible in the same way that we would test any other ancient document, which is, never happens because you, there's a bias when it comes to the Bible. But say you get some ancient writing by um, Plato or Aristotle or Homer, and you take the Homer, the Iliad, ancient writing, are we going to look at that and go, Mm, I don't think Homer wrote that. I don't, I think, I think that's impossible that he actually wrote that. No one says that. Everyone goes, yeah, of course it was Homer. He wrote this. He wrote this. No one doubts that. But then you look at the Bible and you go, I don't know. I don't know if the apostle Peter wrote that letter. You know, when we can actually trace it all the way back and find other people that were eyewitnesses to Peter writing it as the church starts to affirm it early second century, way before Council of Nicaea, way before Constantine. This is, this is a long, long rabbit hole, and it really doesn't matter. Uh, um, the apologetics to this don't really matter as, as much as the fact that people don't want to give up their sin. It's like, man, I got a good life. I'm enjoying my life. I don't want this Bible thing to ever be true. Because if it's true, it's going to convict me of my sin. It's going to tell me that I've rejected God. I've turned away from him. So it can't be true. It's just written by imperfect people. It's not trustworthy. Jesus didn't exist. He's not a real historical figure. All that stuff is made up. Constantine put together the, the canon of the Bible. The Council of Nicaea, they decided that there was the Trinity, etc., etc., etc. It's all false because we have archaeological evidence to prove against that, to go 200 years before Constantine and see the Bible canon being put together before, to see the four Gospels being put together before. We could go down that rabbit hole, but that's not what this is about. It's about people going, nah, I really like my sin. So what do we do? What do you do with that? You don't worry about that rabbit hole. You don't worry about the historical documents. You don't worry about the, the mile-high pile of ancient documents that we have found. You don't worry about it. Instead, you tell them the good news. You tell them the gospel. You say that Jesus came to save sinners. He took on the wrath of God himself. He was killed, crucified on the cross for your sin, 
to give you life, to give you eternity with him, to forgive you, to have mercy on you by his grace, a free gift. And then three days later, he rose from the dead, proving to the world that he was indeed God. And that's who we worship, the spotless lamb that took on the sacrifice for our sin so that we didn't have to live with that guilt, so we didn't have to live unforgiven. That's the gospel. So we preach that, and we don't worry about the apologetics unless we really need to get there. Does that make sense? (sighs) That was a lot, and I'm sorry. Stevie, I love you, and I want you to continue to seek, and I want you to plug in a local church, and I want you to cultivate that desire to read his word. God, give me a desire to read this inspired word. It made it all the way to my door. It made it all the way to my table, this Bible. Against all odds, it has made it through centuries to me. God, give me the insight. Give me the wisdom. Show me how precious this is, the life on these pages. That's a good prayer for you. Appreciate you guys, all of y'all. And we'll see you next Monday. Thanks for joining me on the Granger Smith podcast. I appreciate all of you guys. You could help me out by rating this podcast on iTunes. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to this channel. Hit that little like button and notifications bell so that you never miss any time I upload a video. If you have a question for me that you would like me to answer, email grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com. Yee-yee. deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. <sighs> Take a pause from your to-do list with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula, berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite, with just two capsules a day smart metabolic burn by brain md can kickstart your metabolism fight stubborn body fat especially that pesky abdominal fat and support your weight management journey right now save over 30 percent on smart metabolic burn at getsmartburn.com the lowest price anywhere that's getsmartburn.com don't delay transform your life with smart metabolic burn from brain md these statements have not been evaluated by the food and drug administration our products are not intended to diagnose treat cure or prevent any disease. Are you feeling overwhelmed by anxiety, struggling to find restful sleep, or plagued by a restless inability to focus? It's time to break free from the chains of mental health challenges and discover a path to healthy living. Welcome to Amen University, founded by renowned psychiatrist and brain health expert, Dr. Daniel Amen. Dr. Amen, alongside a team of esteemed doctors and experts in their fields, understands the struggles you're facing and are here to offer solutions. From debilitating anxiety to sleepless nights filled with worry, our courses are meticulously crafted to target these specific challenges head on. Join us on a journey of transformation led by Dr. Amen and a roster of top-tier professionals. Say goodbye to the constant battle with your mind and embrace a future filled with hope and possibility. Visit our website today to explore our courses and start your journey towards a brighter tomorrow. Use code BRAIN10 and get 10% off. That's code BRAIN10 and get 10% off your first purchase. Amen University, because your mental health matters.